Klaus Vince was on another airplane. For someone who used to be petrified of the slightest idea of being trapped in a metal box 30,000 feet in the air for hours on end, he was now a seasoned traveller. He was still prone to the odd panic attack, a sudden realisation that he was completely helpless, that any moment the humongous engines could stall and a series of tiny electrical faults could cause a spontaneous and devastating combustion. A total loss of power, then a freefall to certain doom. The sound of metal being ripped apart at an immense speed. The blood-curdling screams of 200 people regretting their entire lives. Hurtling towards the endless black ocean in a cascading fireball their bodies never having the slightest chance of being discovered, being ravaged by a thousand unidentifiable sea creatures until there was nothing left but a memory. Conrad. 
it was made specifically for him, he thought. He took comfort in that. They gave each other a celestial purpose, if only for a second. The accompanying thunder resonated around the echoey corridors of the windmill. I am alive. This is my home. I have a duty, exclaimed Comrade. He had been host to the captain for some time now. The eerie introduction to the captain seemed to fade in Conrad's mind, and he became accustomed, even relieved, of his presence. What was once fear was now a strange friendship of sorts. Conrad, my friend, I want to thank you for your hospitality. It's been a long time since I felt truly at home. You've shared your home with me, and I... I am grateful. It's my pleasure, sir. I am grateful to you also. You have given my duty a new purpose. I knew all along that deep down, the truth would find me. I am confident that my next dissection will be of great value. Conrad had made a feast for his companion. Wild boar, roasted vegetables, fillets of beef, lamb cutlets, smoked salmon and a selection of cheeses from around the world. All courtesy of his omnipotent benefactor. They guzzled Rioja and Chianti and then retired to the sitting room for port and cigars by the roaring fire. My work. My research. I have always felt it so deeply that it would yield the greatest answers. I feel it closer now than ever before. Am I delusional? I can promise you two things. The first is that one day everything will become clear to you. You will have resolution. Yes, yes. I believe it now. I knew, deep down, all along, that I could prove my theories. I just needed patience. Like you said. Great patience. I knew it was there to be discovered. And the second? The second? The second promise I can make to you. The second guarantee? Yes. The second? It is a certainty. A necessity of existence. That every future generation will look back at your life. Your thoughts your ideas, your work, with utter incomprehension, disagreement, disbelief. They will not be able to understand your way of life. They will be gifted with a greater insight. They will have an understanding that 
far exceeds your own. And on it goes. You are but a cog in time. Insignificant in one way, but undeniably relevant in another. Oh, I see. I assure you, you do not. No one does. It is better not to dwell on such things. It can, as you well know, cloud your judgment. It is not your concern, but it is inevitable. Byron, he is early. You should meet him, don't be alarmed. He is a brute, but he keeps me sane. He has a fresh corpse for me. Maybe it's the one, the truth. Conrad excused himself and felt a fresh energy. He rushed to the door with great excitement. It was the first time he felt truly encouraged to welcome the giant. But it was not to be. Instead of the vision of the giant beast, Conrad was greeted to the sight of a small, hooded figure, cloaked in black. A chill overcame him, as if his dreams and desires had turned again to dust and black ash. The figure stood motionless and silent, as if it were a messenger of death itself. Conrad was yet again overcome with fear. He was chilled to the bone. Before Conrad could respond, the cloaked figure had seemed to glide through the door and had materialised in the sitting room. The silence was deafening. The grandfather clock tick tock tick tock tick tock tick. Tell me your dream. was in a crowded bar in Camden, his favourite bar, an infamous music venue. He was not intoxicated, he was not high, he was stood, guitar in hand, waiting to perform with a collection of musicians who had long since considered him dead. But he was back, 
His first step to healing was to compose a set which he was here to perform. He hadn't even considered returning to music and yet here he was, eager and ready. Music first, then painting. He could feel the inspiration growing inside him with every day that passed, very different to a year ago. He was even beginning to feel proud of himself. Thanks for coming everyone. It's nice to see you all here. It's been a while. again. He had an audience. It was small but perfect. They listened. It was strange for him. His brother Albert was there for the first time. He was there to support his reformed brother. His brother was proud. He had not seen this talent unleashed. Nora was the first to greet him. Wow, Klaus awesome. Well done, I loved it. Thanks, Nora. I really appreciate you being here. Look, there's Albert. Come and say hello. Albert was sat in a dark corner of the room, alone. Hey, Albert. Thanks for coming. 
What do you think? Very good. Yeah, it's good to see you back on your feet. Thanks. It means a lot that you were here. I know how busy you are these days. Oh, this is my friend, Nora. Hi, nice to meet you. Good to meet you too. Are you guys a couple? No, we're just, just friends. All right. Where'd you meet? Just at work. Work? Yeah. Nora's a pilot. She works for MediAid. She's taken me on a few of our delivery trips. Klaus, you're not supposed to date the crew. I thought we went through this. There are rules. Oh, honestly, we're not dating. So, your colleagues? Well, yeah, but we're friends too. Klaus, I told you to keep yourself to yourself. What's the big deal? You know me. I'm a talker. We, we got talking. That's all. She's helped me. Right. Helped. I see. Okay, well... Do you want a drink? Oh. No thanks, I'm off the booze. What? Don't be stupid, have a drink. I'm not being stupid. I've not had a drink in months. Yeah, he's been doing really well. A pint won't kill you, come on. I've come miles to be here. I thought we could have a catch-up. We can. I, I can just have a Coke. Don't be daft, have a pint. No, really, he shouldn't. He's been doing so well. Who? Asked you. Albert, don't be like that. I, I'll have a drink with you. Of course you will. Laura, what do you want? She can get her own. Albert, I'll get them. Do you want one, Nora? No, thanks. I'd better go. Be careful, Klaus. Nora, come on, he's only joking. I'm not. Bye, Dora. Nora left crushed. She hated feeling powerless to help her friend. She knew what was to come. And it was not something she could witness. What are you doing? Why did you speak to her like that? She's my friend. Friend? Come on, Klaus. You don't need friends. You've got me. Who was it who got you this job? Who risked their reputation? Was it me? Or her? Well, you, but... But nothing. Trust no one. I've told you, we're family. That's all that matters. Now come on, let's have a pint. Okay. Thanks, Albert. A pint. Sitting in front of him. Again foaming in front of him, ready to quench his thirst. Klaus grabbed it with both hands and sunk it down in one gulp. See? You were thirsty. You deserve a drink after that anyway. And for all the work you've done for me, I'm grateful. I'm proud. You've done us proud. You need to know that, brother. Another 
That's more like it. Bartender. Two more. And two rums. Game over. The clock was reset. And the drinking began again. Two hours later, and Klaus's dark demons were now awake again. He had lost. He was now back at the start. Baron, I need a full background check. One of our Medi-Aid pilots. Nora. This idiot's made friends. Give me everything you can find. Find out who she is. We need to stop this now. It's urgent. Consider it done.